Upset about something today? Before you fly out the handle, Pastor Ed Taylor suggests another approach in dealing with your anger. You see, you just can't go around the office or the house angry, yelling and screaming, tempers flying, frustrations vented. You know, in our culture today, venting is a real popular thing. We actually use that word, I want to vent on you, I want to vent on you. But the Bible says that a fool vents all his emotions. That a fool gives rise to this venting. You say, well, wait a minute, Ed. What do I do with everything that's pent up? The Bible says for believers to cast your cares upon the Lord. This is amazing grace. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be with us in just a moment as we pick up what we left off in our study of Daniel. Someone has wisely observed that anger is just one letter removed from danger. And that should remind us that when we're angry, we're treading on dangerous ground. Pastor Ed, it's not hard to see that many are very angry right now with what's been going on in our country. We see violent uprisings in major cities, protests, political, social unrest. But you're going to show us how to properly deal with our anger. Would you set the table for today's Bible study? Well, you know, Larry, anger is an emotion that God has given to us. And like fire, used in the right way, in the right place, uh, the right intensity, it can be used to glorify God for sure. However, much of what we see today is actually not good anger at all. It is sinful anger, anger that's out of control, or what the Bible calls the wrath of man, uh, the, the reality of the, a sinful response and a sinful anger. And the Bible couldn't be clearer. Please hear me out. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It actually destroys lives and destroys people. This emotion can be so destructive, so hurtful, forever harming the person that it's pointed toward. And how careful we need to be in, in relation to anger. So I'm going to talk about this particular emotion biblically. I want to make the biblical case for the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, I want to remind us, like in the New Living Translation, your anger can never make things right in God's sight. Never. And despite the popular opinion, we can control our temper. So please tune in, take notes. If anger is an issue for you personally, or it's an anger with someone close to you, this is a must-study to listen to, to share, to post on your social media. Uh, I know I've taught it in, in our church. I've taught it in many churches as I travel. It is a life-giving message of freedom. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that work in your heart. So to stay tuned and buckle your seatbelts. The Lord's got a word for you. Thanks for those introductory comments, Pastor Ed. And now let's turn to Daniel chapter 2 and have a look at King Nebuchadnezzar's anger and what we can learn from it. 
Open your Bibles, would you, to Daniel chapter 2. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Daniel chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've entitled, How Do I Deal With My Anger? And as we learned last time, God is on center stage in this Bible study through the book of Daniel. And he's using the events and arranging the events surrounding the captivity of Judah under the reign of this man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel and his young friends were a part of this captivity, and so they'll get much attention as we watch how God uses them greatly. And while Daniel is away being trained in the ways of the Babylonian culture, remember the king has had this recurring, ongoing, troubling dream. It may be one dream, it may be many dreams, but as we learn, God can reach anyone. And Nebuchadnezzar, to all outward perspectives, would say that he's unreachable. I mean, his position and all the guards around him. And he's the, he's the leader of the known world. And yet, he was not unreachable to God. God got to him, and he got to him right in his head, in his sleep. Pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Daniel. It says, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him so much that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, his enchanters, and his sorcerers and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he dreamed. And as they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that troubles me. Tell me what I have dreamed, for I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be demolished into heaps of rubble. Now that comes from a word from the mouth of an angry man. If you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to destroy you limb from limb and destroy all your property. God speaks to this unbelieving king, getting his attention through this dream, which to me is very encouraging that anyone that we're praying for, God wants to speak. God wants to reach them, and he can, and he will. Nebuchadnezzar was a tyrant, an out-of-control man, a madman, you would say. He would be someone that we would be able to tell that anger was his controlling emotion. You know, everybody has a primary emotion, one that they revert to in times of trouble, one that they revert to when they want to manipulate or control a situation. And some people just happen to use anger as a manipulative emotion. I mean, what I'm speaking of is out-of-control anger. What I'm speaking of is the kind of anger that demeans, that demolishes, the kind of anger that'll tear somebody limb from limb, the kind of anger that will destroy and not build up. For Nebuchadnezzar, this was his. Notice in verse 5, it's, he, he threatens, because anger, this type of anger is often threatening. It says that I'll tear you limb from limb and I'll destroy your houses into heaps of rubble. Notice verse 12. The king was furious when he heard this, and he sent out orders to execute, to literally murder all the wise men of Babylon. Look at verse 19. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel and in a vision, and Daniel praised God of heaven, saying, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he alone has all wisdom and power. Now, I don't know why I include it on my notes, but it's a good verse. Turn over to chapter 3, verse 13, because we're looking at the anger of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 3, verse 13. 
This is more appropriate on this theme. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. If anyone has ever watched someone fly into a rage, say amen. amen. So you know what he's talking about. This is a guy you get out of the way. This is a guy or a gal, could represent a woman, that you just stay away from. This is someone that you can watch the, almost like in their face and in their mannerisms. It's like a, like a temperature gauge. And you can just see the temperature go, oh, until they blow their top. And here he is flying into a rage, and he orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, when they were brought in. And we'll get to that. Look at verse 19. It says in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Nebuchadnezzar was an angry man. Anger and the wrath of man is an area that completely destroys lives. This emotion can be so destructive and so hurtful that it forever harms the person that is the object. But it's an also an area that Christians, those that say they follow Jesus Christ, those that claim to be born again, those that might be known as churchgoers, those that might read their Bible, those that say they are distinct and different from the world, those that say, I want to do what's right, I want to follow God, I'm committed, those that would say in the general banner of evangelical Christianity, anger is often an emotion that is excused, ignored, and even sometimes when, they, when you really want to get spiritual, it's labeled righteous and godly. A righteous and godly anger. Because you would call somebody and call them to account if you do get, if you're able to have a relationship close enough to them and you're able to have that dialogue with them, you may ask them, you know, you, you seem like an angry person or you're, you're trying to help them. And the response comes back perhaps something like this. Didn't Jesus turn over tables? And your answer is, yeah, of course he did. And then they might say, shouldn't we be angry at abortion? The answer is, of course. Of course we should. It's evil. Shouldn't we be angry at evil? Yes. Can't we be angry, some might say, as long as we don't sin? And the answer, of course, is yes. And yet, those aren't being shared as biblical truths, but instead the Bible is being used and perhaps a little distorted and twisted in order to make an excuse for your sinful anger or what the Bible would call an outburst of wrath. There are certain areas in our lives where anger is appropriate. Anger is not an emotion that's completely forbidden, not at all. When we see sin, when we experience evil, when there is injustice, there should be some rise of emotion in us that declares that wrong, perhaps even leading to an action of attempting to make it right, standing in the gap for orphans and widows and those that have no voice. But that's not the king here, Nebuchadnezzar. Righteous anger isn't described as being furious or flying off the handle. Righteous anger isn't described often with words of wrath and just wanting to avoid the person. That's not what we're looking at today, neither is it what's described in Nebuchadnezzar. The target of our topic today is sinful anger and how God forbids it. 
And not only does he forbid it, he enables the power to avoid it, I should say, in our lives. That we are able then to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of our flesh. The Bible declares outbursts of wrath as sin, as works of the flesh, to be avoided, to, to be laid aside, to be repented from. Would you turn over to James chapter 1 with me? James chapter 1. As we walk on this journey on the freedom of dealing with our anger, and I believe that some of you listening in right now, God is asking you, he's commanding you, he's encouraging you to deal with your anger. And the first step in dealing with our anger is admitting that it's sinful and that it's hurtful and to stop making excuses. And might I just add here in these beginning stages of our Bible study that the wisdom of God is different than the wisdom of the world. So that when you're asking for help on topics and you receive wisdom from the world, albeit good suggestions, and you have wisdom from God, the proper order is God's wisdom first and then the world's wisdom. I did some internet searches on how to handle anger because I wanted to see what the world says. And so the trusted Mayo Clinic has a website that says, Anger Management, 10 Tips to Tame Your Temper. And so let me read to you the 10 things. They're not all bad, but let me give you the 10 things. Number one, think before you speak, which is exactly what James is going to say in a moment. Number two, once you're calm, express your anger. Number three, I like this one, get some exercise. <laughs> Physical activity can help reduce stress. Number four, and this is great for adults, take a time out. Take a time out. Time outs aren't just for kids. Give yourself short breaks during times of the day. Number five, identify possible solutions. Number six, stick with I statements. I thought that was interesting. To avoid criticizing or placing blame, which might only increase tension, use I statements to describe the problem. Be respectful and specific. Okay. Number seven, don't hold a grudge. That sounds biblical. Don't hold a grudge. Number eight, use humor to release tension. <laughs> which is kind of difficult when you're angry. But this is the advice. Number nine, practice relaxation skills. When your temper flares, put relaxation skills to work. Practice deep breathing exercises. Imagine a relaxing scene or repeat a calming word or phrase such as, take it easy, <laughs> what it says. <laughs> you might also want to listen to music or write in a journal or do a few yoga poses, not, whatever it takes to encourage relaxation. And number 10, know when to seek help. Some of those are really, is really good advice. Really good advice. But might I say, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I think pausing and stopping and breathing and taking a time out are all good in the moment that will decrease the escalation in anger, but never really deals with the issue. It never really deals with the core issue of the anger that's inside of you. In James chapter 1, I draw your attention to verse 19, if you'd get there with me. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow 
to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. Would you mark that? Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. I really like the New King James Version where it says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Would you accept that as biblical truth today, church? Would you accept the truth and an, an amen to God, even in your heart, that anger can never make things right in God's sight? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In the spirit submitted to God, he can temper our tempers. He can encourage, he can strengthen us to take it down a notch. Not by just mere words repeating in our mind, but to literally remove the root of anger in our hearts. You see, you just can't go around the office or the house angry, yelling and screaming, tempers flying, frustrations vented. You know, in our culture today, venting is a real popular thing. We actually use that word, I want to vent on you, I want to vent on you. But the Bible says that a fool vents all his emotions. That a fool gives rise to this venting. And you say, well, wait a minute, Ed. What do I do with everything that's pent up? The Bible says to, for believers to cast your cares upon the Lord. And he will care for you. And you go, wait a minute, Ed. I don't have any relationship with God and I'm an angry man. What's the answer for me? You repent of your sins and receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and begin to experience that relationship with God of what it means to walk free from the pain and penalty of your entirety of your sinful. Because if you're not a believer today, anger is not your biggest issue. It might be your most pronounced issue. It might be what people are upset about. It might be people why don't, they don't call you anymore. They don't hang around with you anymore. They don't want anything to do with you. That's a big problem. But if you're not saved today, that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that you're disconnected from God. And that's where it begins. Whether it's an unbeliever, a person that's not walking with God, comes to him for the first time, or it's us as believers acknowledging our sinful anger before God and admitting that it is, we have sinned against a holy, righteous God and that we've sinned against our neighbor. Wouldn't you agree that sinful anger is not loving your neighbor? Jesus said the highest thing we could do is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbor. Not only is it destructive to the person in front of us, it's also self-destructive. It destroys us from the inside. He's like running around the office, I hate this place, and throwing things, and punching things, and throwing things, moving things. And then your, your co-worker's there, and he's going, you know, I'm having a bad day. And you go, oh, how would you like to hear about the love of Jesus Christ? And they're like, you're inconsistent. You're, they may not be so bold, but they're thinking, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I want anything to do with the God you're telling me. Because if the God that you worship is making you that, I don't need more of that in my life. The freedom that's available to you is found by faith. Never, ever, never, ever, ever does the wrath of man produce anything of the righteousness of God. Jot it down in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. It says, people with understanding control their anger. And check this out. This is so wise. You know it to be true. A hot temper shows great foolishness. 
a young lady came to the great evangelist Billy Sunday many years ago after he had delivered a message on anger. And she tried to rationalize and explain away her angry outburst. And she said, and I quote, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper, she said. I blow up and then it's over. And Sunday replied, so does a shotgun and look at the damage it leaves behind. Anger always leaves victims and long-lasting damage. Every time we lose our tempers, we lose our credibility, we lose our respect, and much, if not all, of our Christian witness. Jump ahead to chapter 3 now of James. Chapter 3 of James, verse 17. Because in, in James, we're given wisdom from above. The difference between wisdom from below, what the world looks like and sounds like, and what the wisdom from above sounds like, what God sounds like. Notice with me, James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pull forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, then you'll be truly wise. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. That's the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above for, that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. It's impossible to be angry and gentle at the same time. They're contrary to one another. There aren't, you're not able to be both. And anger in its destructive ways removes all gentleness from us. Now I want to show you how anger unhindered will grow in the life of a man by the name of Moses. Are you familiar with Moses? What a great man of God. What a tremendous man to watch in our lives and learn from. Anger can easily get the best of us, especially when it's left unchecked and unrepented of. And I would even say when it's unrepented of and then you add excuses and you go, well, I've always been that way, but God wants you to change. Well, you know, I was just raised in an angry home, but God wants you to change. Well, you know, it's my personality and it's the kind of, it's, it's sort of, you know, the, this is my ethnicity and this is, this is just how we, no, God wants you to change. He's calling you to a higher level, not a low base fleshly level. And so excuses abound. It could be spiritual excuses. They could be practical excuses. We can justify just about anything. And so when sin in our lives, especially anger, goes unrepented, and then we layer over it excuses, it begins to take root in our heart, and then it begins to manifest bitterness, resentment, holding grudges, unforgiveness. They're all tied together. The root is to deal with the anger, because anger is almost always associated with some type of pain, at being wronged, some response at being wronged. We're learning how to deal with anger today on Abounding Grace through a study of Daniel chapter 2. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher. 
To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. Also, look for our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Tom Doyle called Standing in the Fire. As followers of Christ, we need to know what it means to stand courageously for our faith in a climate of fear. In Standing in the Fire, you'll read about those who did stand strong rather than run away in the face of overwhelming danger. I know you'll be encouraged. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And as we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we'd appreciate your support. People need the truth of God's Word in difficult times like these. And with your help, we're able to provide it to them. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed writes a blog where he offers raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief. Check it out at edtaylor.org. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we continue our journey through Daniel with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 